0: It is always a joy to be able to be with you. I love what I see. I love what Pastor Eddie and Mary are doing, and the team, and Jermaine, and Blythe. And I wanna, I wanna say thank you. Um, whenever transition happens, generally speaking, churches, people, they don't respond very well because change is hard to adapt to, to acclimate to a new environment or a new leader. Is sometimes difficult. People are inclined to follow the voice of the shepherd that shepherded them the longest. And David Hermes and Megan did a fabulous job in helping to build this congregation. I am so grateful. Uh, They're doing really well in Denver, and I've spoken with them just about every week, and you'd be proud of the progress that they're making. But in their absence, obviously, we have installed Mary and Eddie. And what it does is it takes you a minute to adjust your hearing aids. So, you can hear differently from somebody else. But hear the same thing from somebody else. Yes. Have the same values, same mission, same vision, just different voice. And so, sheep have to get used to hearing a different shepherd. And for that, I'm very grateful because you stayed. And some of you have joined because of his voice. So, I'm proud of you, I really am. For a congregation to go through a transi- transition like this, it takes a lot. Good job, Marionetti. Love you. Proud of you. Really, really happy with the job you've done. We're going to start a series today called the, uh, On the Parables of Christ. We're going to go with the first parable that Jesus gave, of which he said, if you don't get this one, you can't understand anything else I say. So turn with me over to the book of Matthew. We're going to read a large portion of Scripture, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, we're going to read verses 3 through 11, and then 18 through 23, Matthew chapter 3 through 11, and then 18 through 23. Of Jesus, it says, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds of the air came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others, verse 7, fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil, yielded a crop some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. He who has ears, verse 9, let him hear. And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word kingdom of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Verse 20, the one on whom the seed was sown in rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution rises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, verse 23. And the one on whom the seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some, hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Lord, help us as we study your word. Today we're going to talk about four things, and they all deal with soil. So you've got roadside soil, you've got rocky soil, you've got rival soil, and you've got rewarding soil. Roadside, rocky, rival, and rewarding. The beauty about this parable <clears throat> is that there are some constants. And that allows us to anchor our soul and our understanding into things that we know will not change. And the two constants are this. Who is sowing and what are you sowing? So there's a, there's a sense here that Jesus is kind of talking about himself in third person. We always think when somebody does that, ooh, you think more of yourself than you should, but there's no way Jesus could do that. (laughs) When he says, the Son of Man came to do such and such, he's referring to himself, but in referencing himself, he's not thinking more of himself than he should. He's trying to actually defer and not talk about himself in that way. And so here he likens himself to a sower, a sower. Somebody whose responsibility it is to make sure that what he has got gets out. Now, I, every year I, I plant a garden. Reluctantly, but I love my wife, so I plant a garden. And it's not just the work you have to go into to plant a garden. And, and, and I border on complaint, but I'm trying to just report. I'm trying I'm try, I'm try not that. But, but, but the effort that you have to put forth in the beginning... It's significant. I mean, there's a lot of turning over of the soil, and and there's a lot of moving away of roots, and there are a lot of... We plant in my backyard, and and my backyard has been cleared of trees, but right at the edge of my property are all the trees of which it's been cleared, meaning like them. And so we back up to about two and a half acres worth of woods. And when I'm watering my garden, which I do faithfully, and I put good fertilizer in my garden, And I do everything I possibly can to make sure my garden has all it needs to produce for me. Those trees, somehow or another, they know what's happening 30 feet away. And they are sending their roots every year to my garden to get all the nourishment that I'm putting in for my plants. So every year I'm in there tilling the soil and turning it over, there are inch-wide roots. Now, if you don't know what an inch-wide root feels like when you're trying to turn soil, good for you. I'm really happy for you because I do know it is a job. You got to get a pickaxe out there. You got to hack. You got to pull. You got to do a lot of stuff. It takes a lot to turn over the soil, but that is small in comparison to what happens when you have to maintain the garden because every three days you got to go out and weed stuff. You got to pull stuff, stuff you didn't plant. Do you know, do you know it is, it is amazing have you ever seen in your front yard a corn uh, uh, plant just show up? <laughs> no, no. Green beans in your front yard just boop show corn. Green beans, corn. No, 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 no that, we, that, you mean no. no ha, 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 ha. So <laughs> things that you want to have never show up. Things you hate do. It's just the way of life. I don't plan plant dandelions; they just show up. And all these other things that are, that are ground covered. I don't know what they're doing and why they're there. But I got to go out there every three days and make sure that the garden doesn't have any competition. And if that wasn't enough, I've got deer. <laughs> and the deer are pesky. And they are bold. They know we won't kill them. <laughs> they, they know we won't kill them. And I mean, <laughs> they're out there chopping up my green bean plants. They're eating my tomatoes. They're enjoying life. And I, my, my deck has a veranda on top. My deck is no more than 25, 30 feet away from the garden. And we are out there hollering at the deer. And they just. <laughs> not interested. I ran down the deck all the way into the yard. Got 20, at, at 10 feet away from the deer. He was just standing there looking at me. I said, if I had a bow. If I had a gun right now, you'd taste real good. And on top of that, if I shoot the deer away, there's this groundhog that shows up. And I built a little fence around it. To, be, to try to keep a deer out, you've got to build a tall fence. And I've done all the, the deer away, the smell stuff. It doesn't work. When they're hungry, they don't care. So you got to build a a big fence, and I haven't done that yet. But I have built a three-foot fence around. That groundhog knows how to get under it and through, and he's eating my squash. My point is, I'm not happy. (laughs) It takes a lot to care for a garden. But caring for a garden is different than Mm sowing. Because I've planted things in the garden. There's been intentionality in me guarding, in me gardening, in me trying to produce things that I want to have happen in a certain spot. (coughs) That happens in the kingdom. Those are called one-on-one appointments. Those are small group moments. But the primary way the gospel is supposed to get out is like this. Mm -hmm. Broadcast. Sunday morning moments like this. Public environments where you can freely share the gospel. Huge. That's what sowing is. It's not planting. It's just. And when you do that, Sometimes it doesn't fall where you want it to fall. But enough of it does to where it's worth the effort. Everything about the sower and the seed is constant. The sower says, this is my strategy. Not the only strategy, but this is the primary. To get the gospel out as much as possible. Through social media, through Sunday morning, through Bible studies, through song. Get the gospel out. People need to hear. Even if the enemy comes and takes it, at least they had an opportunity. The sower has a passion to get the gospel out. And he knows that if he gets the right seed out, it's going to do something. It's going to have an impact in somebody's life. So the sower is consistent in his strategy. This isn't the only, but it is a primary. And the seed is consistent in its ability to do what it's supposed to do when it hits the right soil. The seed will always produce when it's in the right soil. The seed does what it's supposed to do when it's in the right soil. So, here's, 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 here's the, the, the delta. What's your soil like? Because nothing wrong with the seed. Now, you may not like me this morning, but just pretend I'm Jesus. work real hard. I mean, really, really hard. Pretend that Christ is trying to get some information to you. I'm not much like him, but pretend. I'm going to do everything I possibly can to stay within the boundaries that he prescribes about how to preach. Pretend I'm him. If he's trying to get the message to you, and the message is pure, it's neither his fault nor the seed's fault that you're not producing. It's neither his fault nor the seed's fault that you're not producing. Because those two things are constant. So let's, let's identify the problematic areas that doesn't allow the seed to do what the sower intended. Roadside soil. Roadside or road soil or pathway soil is that which has been continually trodden. A lot of traffic on it. And generally speaking, those souls are those which have had a lot, of, a lot of things ride over their hearts. People haven't treated them very well. They've got opposition to everything that is true because of the pain in their soul. They've built up layer upon layer of reasons, defenses to the truth, as to why in the world this can't impact me. So as soon as I'm sharing it, they are in their mind trying to fight back. There's no receptivity at all. They're thinking, okay, i got a good comeback for that. Mm, well, what about that? Mm, what about? Well, is the Bible really accurate? I mean, hadn't it been changed? Hadn't it been adjusted? And they, don't, they haven't studied anything. They've just read the Internet. <laughs> they don't know anything about, about, about historical criticism of Scripture and, and what it means to look at the ancient texts and which ancient texts do, are, are, are most reliable and how we've gotten to the Scriptures today. They have no idea. And listen... I don't assume a lot. I do trust that the word of God is true, but I go back to to bring the kind of evidence necessary to people that need to have it, and I study really hard so that I can give an adequate response to somebody's criticism. I'm not an idiot, at least. I'm I'm, I'm not much. I'm, 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 I'm not foolish with respect to trying to figure out what's most true about what I believe. I'm not the smartest guy in the bunch. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I am somebody who can give an accurate historical defense for what I know is true. Not just a theological defense, and historical defense defense about what I know is true. So people come. here's a Bible. I mean, it's been changed. It's been written by men. I say, can I, can I, you got 20 minutes? I can help you with that. They've already built up so much defense that there's no way the word can get in. So immediately, I mean as soon as I've, I've sown it in their ear, it has been taken up by the enemy. If that's the soil of your heart today, you got an opportunity to put a plow in it. See, the, the roadside soil, it, it might be hard, but it's not impenetrable. You, you just got to put the plow in there and allow a little bit of stuff to be opened up so that just one word gets in. And it may not be the evidence of what I know to be true that can confound all the ideas that I believe are wrong in your own soul. It just may be, God loves you. Does anybody else love you like him? What are you going to do about the fact that Jesus died for you? Regardless of what you think about everything else, what are you going to do about that fact? And when he died, he rose, proving that he was the son of Almighty God and everything he said was true. And he wasn't like any of us because none of us would ever go into the grave and come up by ourselves. None of us. What are you going to do about that? Well, did he really rise? More evidence about the resurrection of Christ than there is about George Washington being the first president of the United States. More evidence. Throughout history, public witnesses, more evidence. You drop that in their soul. Wrestle with that for a minute. Just wrestle with it. Not talking about whether it's theologically true, factually true. What are you going to do about that? And if they come to the place where they accept the seed, even if it's just a quarter of an inch. <laughs> mustard greens all you got to do is put them on the ground. Yeah. They, they just need about just a, a couple of grains of dirt to cover. And in about a week, pop. Don't need real, uh, don't need real depth. Just some place. Get the, get the plow in your soul. That's good, That's Secondly, rocky places. This is the kind of soil that has impediments to progress. They receive it. They Oh, Jesus love me. That's so great. That's amazing. That's great. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to follow. And, and they come up in a hurry. But because they didn't really get the foundations right in their life that allowed them to remove the impediments to progress of of the roots, the the rocks in their soul. Yes, they might receive who Christ is, but they're not quite sure about, uh, you know, church. They're not quite sure about the Holy Spirit. They're not quite sure about all the Bible being the word of God. They want to cross out some things. They got a lot of things. And and so they don't get the root that, that they need in order for them to grow. And then all of a sudden, when the persecution comes, somebody else begins to confirm the questions they have in their own soul. They're thinking, ah, oh, yeah, I was thinking about that too. And then somebody begins to really persecute them for their faith. Ah, oh, this is really isn't worth it, because I don't know. I, I probably made a, a rash decision. Mm-hmm. You got to get the rocks out. Here in, um, we, we lived in Ashburn for a minute, and I planted, I did a lot of gardening in Ashburn, <laughs> but it's different than gardening in Chantilly, where I now live. There, there are, there's, this, there's a lot of slate, red rock, every place in Ashburn, and whether it's my builder who decided he didn't like me, and decided to leave that stuff and call it soil, I don't know, or whether it's just impossible to remove because there's so much of it, it's there. And as soon as you want to transplant a tree, you you, you hit with the spade. And and you think it's just a little stone. And then you get down deep and it winds up being this big. It's huge. And you realize, if I put this this tree on top of the stone, there's no way it's going to get any root. And so you wind up pulling all day long rocks out of the ground. It is work. It is work. It is work. For you to get in the business of trying to make sure that the soil in your heart is free of the stones that would stop the root system from being what it needs to be. Because there is, the heat of the day is on the way. You're going to experience difficulty that is going to tempt you to go the wrong way. You've got to be somebody who's able to stand firm. And the enemy hates the fact that you have received that which God has given He's going to do everything he possibly can to dissuade you. You've got to get the rocks out. Then there's the rival soil. This is the one that is most uh, most deceptive. Because the soil that, that is, is, is in competition is the soil that hasn't been weeded. And things have grown up around it. And the interesting thing is that although the, the, the soil that was... Of uh, 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 the roadside, the pathway the seed never had an opportunity right. the soil that had the rocks the seed had an opportunity but it was impeded because it had no root here the, the, the plant grows the plant's alive you're a great Christian mm. going to church, worshipping all things are good, hallelujah Jesus hallelujah, <laughs> all good but after five years we can't see any fruit, you're going to heaven you have your ticket punched But nobody can tell you're a believer. No fruit. There's no character development. There's no people. There aren't any people who have been won to Christ as a result of your your influence. Mm -hmm. Nobody's really been impacted by your change of life. Zero fruit. You're alive, but it doesn't matter. Not to anybody else around you. No fruit. And most Christians are pretty satisfied with that. Because they're going to heaven. They're alive, they love Jesus, they're grateful, they're going to church. But they're not producing anything. And the purpose of the plant's life is to produce, not to live. I am not planting anything in my garden that doesn't it's not supposed to give me something. I'm I take very little pleasure out of flowers. Now, I'm not not trying to criticize the asceticism, which might be yours. The desire for just beauty means very little to me. All these plants produce beautiful flowers before they give me fruit. But if they produce flowers without fruit, I'm not happy. I put you in the ground in order to bring something inside, not to look pretty. And most Christians are happy about just looking pretty. They're happy about appearances. They aren't interested in fruit. And they allow the worries and the cares of this life to choke out that which God wants to produce. I, 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 can't, I can't pay my bills, so it's hard for me to tithe, Pastor. I can't, I can't do that. I'm, 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 I, 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 I don't know about praying about going on a church plant because I've got so many, I got so many kids. I've got so many concerns. I don't know about moving a new job. Oh, Pastor, we really can't have children because you know how expensive it is to bring children to the world today? These are not just, these are not just aberrant concerns. These are real concerns that are brought to pastorals, pastors all around the country all the time. The worries and cares of life prevent you from doing the will of God. God has you still on the planet. Hey, listen, if He it was if it was all about you just going to heaven, somebody should have done you a favor in the baptism and left you down just a little bit longer. <laughs> If that was what it's about, I mean, you could, you could get there in a hurry. That's a little bit too morbid, isn't it? Do I need, do I, I, I kind of need to repent for that or something. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll use a different analogy. You should have been taken up like Enoch. How's that? Is that better? Is that better? If it was all about you getting to heaven, then somebody, something should have happened after you gave your heart to Jesus so that you could do it. Heaven is a wonderful destination. I'm glad for it. But he left me here to do something. He didn't just leave me here to soak up resources. And a plant that's alive, that doesn't produce, just sucks up resources. Water, nutrients from the soil. It's all about them. They don't give. You can't let the worries and cares of this life stop you from being fruitful to God because that's why he left you here, to produce something for him in the earth, to care for the poor, to give your life for people who may not even like you, to be kind to the mean, to be generous to the stingy, to love the unlovable. To do the supernatural thing that evidences he is still in the earth because he uses people that nobody thought he could use. Yeah, Fruitfulness in your life. And then there's the good soil. In order to have good soil, you've got to tend it. It's hard work. Hard work. You've got to have a good devotional life. You've got to get up in the morning or whether you go to bed at night before you go to sleep, read your Bible. You've got to do it by... Thank you very much. You got to do it every day. You need to read your Bible every day. You've got to weed the garden of your soul. You've got to pick stuff out because if, you, if you're not diligent, remember, you don't plant dandelions. But they will show up in your soul. And generally, they're, they're evidenced by other people before you notice them. If you let them grow big enough, you let them grow long enough, other people say, you got a dandelion in your garden, bro. You need to get that thing out. Get that thing out. Get that thing out. Worse than that, you might have something that's predatory. Dandelions just compete for the soil. There are other plants that actually wrap the root system around yours and do everything they possibly can to squeeze out everything that you could get. You've got to do a lot of work to weed your garden in order to become Fruitful. And it's not the kind of work that is professional. It's the kind of work that is relational. I mean what I say when I say that. I'm I'm generally considered a professional because this is what I do for a living. But I, I don't want to be defined as such. I'm trying to be defined as a really good Christian who happens to be competent enough to do what I'm doing. I didn't go to school to learn how to be a good preacher. I didn't go to seminary to learn how to be a good pastor. I went to seminary in order to help help me find God. I was already in ministry when I went. I haven't finished yet. Got too many kids and had some other things. But I got all the foundational things I needed in order to make sure I stayed out of stupid. And God has helped me to build things, and I'm grateful for it. But nothing I've done is simply to become good at what I do. I've I've based my entire ministry on making sure that my relationship with God is so current and that I'm pleasing Him every day so well. Even if I blow it, I'm pleasing Him with my repentance. I'm pleasing Him so well that my living allows me to become competent for my doing. And I'm not substituting all that I do and saying, Lord, didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I perform many miracles? Didn't I prophesy in your name? You have to recognize me. People in my profession have to be very careful about being good at what they do. You don't want to be bad at what you do. You just want to make sure that whatever you do that's good... Is put in the right perspective all the time because you can begin to stroke your own soul with respect to how good you are and how how well God is impressed because you've done something amazing. And I'll close with this: My son was seven, Joseph, and uh, he was he's the oldest. And about seven, kids get cognizant of stuff, and it was my birthday. And uh, Mama and him decided they'd go get Daddy a gift. Socks and underwear. <laughs> I needed it. I'm glad for the gift. They wrapped it, and Mama let Joseph give it to me. And whenever Joseph got excited about something when he was that age, he would lick his lips. And so he brought me the gift, and he was just... <laughs> just so happy he could do something for Daddy. And I I got the gift. I was so grateful, unwrapped it. Oh, come here, boy. That's great. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me at that moment and said, you do this to me all the time. Now, I didn't know what he was talking about. Not a clue. God speaks to me sometimes. Went through all the birthday stuff, had a good celebration. I ran upstairs, got on my knees and said, Lord, what was that? What do you mean I do this to you all the time? What's this? He said, you know how your boy was really excited about giving you a gift, and you hugged him? And, uh, he said, you do that whenever you go on a missions trip, and you build a, a home for orphans overseas, or you preach a really good sermon, or you serve the poor. You come back to me and say, is that good, God? Was that good? Was that good? And he said, nothing wrong with it. It's just that the distinction is, the difference between you and him is that you know I gave you the power to do what you do. You couldn't have done it without me. He has no idea. You gave him the money to buy your own gift. Wow. He thinks he really did something. These guys in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. Jesus said not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I don't think this passage has has much to do at all with glory. I think it means about I think it's talking about the kingdom of heaven here. Because there's nothing to mention there about death. Not many who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom that I want here. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come. Where? Mm, God's looking for his kingdom to come here. How? Just as it is in heaven. Not many who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we perform many miracles? When you get at that level, you're a heavyweight spiritually. You've got some things going on. Yeah. Casting out devils, performing miracles, prophesying. Wow. And these guys are trying to prove something to God with respect to their entrance into his kingdom here. And he says, ah, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. So how could guys who are in my profession... Better than me not get in to all that the kingdom has for them here. It's because they didn't recognize that you cannot substitute your performance for your relationship. You can't. God has... It's not... It's Simply because you know God doesn't mean he's going to acknowledge you. Because the best we can know God is kind of like we know Celebrities. I mean, he's infinite, y'all. He's infinite. I'm grateful that he gives me as much knowledge about him as I have. I am so grateful. I know him. It's good, but I don't know him. How do you know infinite, you finite you? How can the finite ever know the infinite fully? You can't. All we're doing, all we're doing when we get to know him is decreasing our vast amounts of ignorance. He is that vast. So the little bit that we do know, we need to thank them for because that's huge. Because we used to be even more dumb than we are now. It's great. It's just great. But we know them like we know celebrities or or athletes. We see what what they do. We hear them speak. And when we see them and hear them, we see them on the street or in the mall. Tom Brady, hey, how you doing? We call out the... We call them by their first name. Beyonce. <laughs> we think we know them because we've seen and hear what they do. <laughs> but the issue is not so much how much we know them. If, if you were to go to Beyonce's house, though you think you know her, knock on her door and say, can I have dinner with you tonight? What would she say? Who are you? You gain access you gain access not because you say you know them. You gain access because they know you. You want access with God? You cannot substitute your performance for your relationship. And your relationship is built on how much you love them. And, you're, and how much you love them is based on how much you obey. Amen. You have to till the soil all the time. You got to work it. Lord, I'm trying to obey you today better than I did yesterday. I'm trying to serve you more today than I did yesterday. Love better. Help better. Have my mind focused on you more. Let my heart be right beating with yours every moment of the day. God, that's how I want to love you today. And if somehow I do it well enough, let it bleed through my performance. Because I realize whatever I do, you gave me the power to do it. I can't brag about it to you. That's producing the kind of fruit God's looking for. 30, 60, and hundred. Your life cannot but bend over branch with so much fruit on each. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. Help me. Help me to live right, please. Help us to live right. We honor you with the privilege of being able to serve you like this. It's my hope and prayer that you would grace us all to have gardens, soil that are fruitful is there anybody this morning who has yet to give their heart to christ maybe you've made a decision in the past but your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be and you want to make a change today if you fit in either of those categories raise your hand high i see that hand bless you anybody else wants this up you can put it down anybody else All right, you who raised your hand, pray pray this prayer with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You who prayed that prayer, we've got some real resources for you to help you so that you can grow in your relationship with Christ. Come down front. Talk to some people who can pray with you about the most important issues of your life. Church, you're amazing. Thanks for listening to me today.